and uh, welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and some of the other platforms uh, we broadcast under. Uh, this is me, Warren Landis. I'm your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And it's great to have you tuned in to the broadcast on this beautiful, sunny Friday morning. <laughs> it's uh, TGIF, everybody's favorite day of the week. Uh, some people like Fridays because it's a short work day. They, they don't have to work quite as long on Friday as they do other days. Uh, some people actually have Friday off so that they get an early start on their weekend. Amen. So uh, I hope it's a, a very good day for you wherever you are. And of course, as I've said before many times, any day is a great day to be studying the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Jesus doing something that raised a lot of eyebrows in his day, and I guess it would raise a lot of eyebrows in our day as well. We find that Jesus is eating and fellowshipping with publicans and sinners. Now, <laughs> it has to be noted here <laughs> that uh, this is publican, not republican. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I heard one man say one time, well, this is proof that the Democrats are sinners. It says here, Jesus ate with the Republicans and sinners. No, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. Uh, back in those days, they didn't have a Republican Party versus a Democratic Party. They didn't have that back in those days. So it wasn't that. These publicans were tax collectors, and they were tax collectors for the Roman government. And these tax collectors were actually Jewish citizens. So they were collecting taxes for an occupying country, an enemy country. And because of that, they were greatly hated. They were hated, first of all, because... They didn't like paying taxes any more than you and I pay taxes. Uh, they wanted to pay as little as they possibly could. And the other thing is, these tax collectors, in many ways, were looked on as uh, were, were looked upon as traitors, collecting money for the enemy. And also, people knew all too well how it is that these tax collectors got paid. <laughs> they got paid by basically charging you a higher tax than what you actually owed, knowing that they got to keep the difference between what you actually owed and uh, what they were able to collect. And so we find that... Uh, People just really did not like these uh, tax collectors very often, <laughs> or they didn't like them very much. They were considered, like I say, traitors, and people just didn't like it. And like I say, the other angle here is that they didn't like paying taxes any more than you did. Um, so let's see what happens here. In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, and we're basically continuing uh, 
with where we left off yesterday, and yesterday we continued where we left off the day before. It says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. That's in verse 2. Now, these uh, Pharisees were basically a, a thorn in Jesus' side all throughout his ministry. All throughout his ministry, they were a thorn in his side. Uh, they were constantly looking for ways to trip him up. And frankly, they wanted to get rid of Jesus. They either wanted to kill him or arrest him and just get him out of the way. They saw him as a threat to their religious enterprise. And they were just looking for the right opportunity. Now, they understood that Jesus was immensely popular. He was incredibly popular, had a very popular following, and so therefore they knew that they had to pick just the right time to get to grab them. And um, it would be instances like the one we're reading about today that would make the Pharisees all the more determined and feeling all the more justified in going after him. Here he is eating with publicans and sinners. Now let me say, first of all, Jesus here, I believe, is setting an example for us to follow in the modern church today. If we're going to reach people with the good news of the gospel, then we're going to have to take the time to talk to them, to assemble with them, and yes, even eat with them. You see, Jesus recognized, and, and bearing in mind, Jesus made us, so he is something of an expert on what human nature is all about. Jesus knew that for the most part it wasn't possible to reach a man with the gospel of Jesus Christ all at one time. It had to be an effort that was made over an extended period of time. You develop a relationship with the sinner. You let the sinner know that while you do not like their sin, in fact, you hate their sin, but you love the sinner. Now, that's a very important principle right there. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. By having a meal with these publicans and the sinners, Jesus was by no means putting his stamp of approval on their sinful way of life. But he was letting them know that he was not too good to meet with them in person and try to reason with them over a period of time that God offered them a better way of life. A good salesman, by the way, knows that this principle is quite true. A good salesman knows that sometimes it takes quite an effort to reach a potential customer or client with what your business has to offer. Sometimes the salesman 
will have to cultivate a relationship with the client or prospective client and meet with them many times over an extended period of time. And hopefully each time the salesman comes a little bit closer to reaching that client. Until finally one day the client says, you know what, I think I finally caught on to what you're saying, and yes, we will sign on the dotted line. But Jesus knew that reaching a lost and dying world required that we meet with them. Now, down through the years, and this was especially true back in the 50s and 60s and for the most part even to the 70s, we had something that was circulated among the churches called the doctrine of separation. In other words, the idea is that we didn't want anything to do with the world. We wanted to separate ourselves and isolate ourselves from the world just as much as possible. But now, of course, we also know that really, realistically, this is not possible. Because even though you and I are Christians, we live in an ungodly world. And so until the day we die, we have to learn how to live among people who do not believe as we believe. But we don't have to see this as a threat to our existence. Instead, we could see this as an opportunity to reach them over time with the good news of the gospel. You know, I think a lot of times what happens is, you and I, we have this tendency to want to... uh, take our King James Bible, beat somebody over the head with it, and we want them to get saved on the spot right then and there the first time that we come in contact with them. And then if they don't want to get saved, we say, okay, I'm just going to wipe the dust off my feet. That's what Jesus told us to do. Wipe the dust off our feet. We're not going to have anything else to do with them. I don't think that's what Jesus meant, by the way, when he said wipe the dust off your feet. He said, if you preach to them, and I, I mean by that, if you preach to them over a period of time and they still won't receive you, wipe the dust off your feet and go on to the next town. Try to reach somebody else. But many churches in the past, because of the doctrine of separation, they made up their minds, we don't want to have anything to do with the center crowd. We're not going to associate with them. We're not going to have anything to do with them. But it also meant they weren't reaching very many people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So yes, we have to live among them, And why not take advantage of that opportunity to try to reach them with the good news of the gospel? Now, by the way, this is especially true if you work with somebody as a Christian. You work with somebody who is not a Christian. Well, you can't separate yourself from your co-workers. You can't tell your boss, well, I can't work with so-and-so because he's not a Christian. And as a Christian, I can't have anything to do with non-Christians. You know what's going to happen, don't you? Your boss is going to tell you that eight hours a day, I expect you to work with so-and-so because the two of you have a job to do. 
and not one of you could do this job by yourself. It takes both of you working together. So why not take advantage of that? And over time, uh, witness to the Lord. I, I remember back when I was in high school. Believe it or not, we had high school students who actually enjoyed getting drunk on Friday and Saturday nights. And they would come to school on Monday morning with a hangover like you wouldn't believe. And I would tell them, I said, how did your weekend go? And they would call me preacher boy because I was always talking about Jesus. They said, well, preacher boy, we want you to know we drank all weekend. And now we have this splitting hangover. And furthermore, we have no recollection as to what we did over the weekend. And I said, well, let me tell you about my weekend. And I said, preacher, what did you do this weekend? I said, well, I know what I did, especially on Sunday. I went to church on Sunday. In fact, I went to church Sunday morning and Sunday night both. Had a great time. We had great singing, great fellowship. It was just a great time. And Saturday, I spent the day getting ready to go to church. And I went to bed early on Saturday night so that I would be fully alert for church on Sunday morning. And now here it is Monday morning, and I don't have a hangover, and I could tell you exactly what I did over the weekend, and you can't. <laughs> and I, I would chat with them in this way, very casually. I wasn't putting my stamp of approval on their drinking, far from it. But I wasn't afraid either to take the time to talk to them about Jesus. There were some of them that got saved after me witnessing to them for four years. It was not an overnight thing. Sometimes it was an overnight thing. I remember one time in particular, <laughs> I had gone to the grocery store for my mom. She sent me uh, to the grocery store with the list of a few things she wanted me to get for well, I was riding my bike on the sidewalk headed to the store. And all of a sudden, this boy comes up out of nowhere. He knocks me off my bicycle. He takes his fist and hits me in the face and I fall down. Well, I'd only been saved <clears throat> for a few months at this time. I didn't really know any better. I got up, and I remember Jesus said something about turning the other cheek. So you know what? I got up, and I turned the other cheek. Guess what that boy did? He took his face up. Wham! He hit me again. And again, I fell to the ground. And while I got up, and I saw stars going round and round, I said, Lord, maybe I'm misinterpreting what you said there. Maybe you meant something else. I don't know. Well, the next day I got to school. And now I do remember what I said to that boy the night he hit me. I said, young man, I'm going to pray you don't get saved, I mean, that you don't get another night's sleep until you get saved. 
I'm going to pray you don't get another night's sleep till you get saved. Amen. Well, the next day he came to school and he was obviously very tired and exhausted. And he came up to me. Now, he didn't hit me at school because he knew <clears throat> he would instantly get in trouble for that. But we were in gym class and he came up to me. And he shook his fist in my face. He says, Prince man, I'm going to tell you this right now. If I don't get any sleep tonight, I'm going to put you to sleep permanently tomorrow. Well, <clears throat> he went home and I went home. And I began to thinking. <laughs> I started thinking. I said, Lord, uh, did I come down too hard on that boy? And the Lord just impressed me. No, I didn't. He said, uh, I'm working with so-and-so. You'll see what's going to happen. Well, the next day I got to school, and uh, that boy slept all through gym class. And obviously I was telling the coach, I said, let's do something quiet today. I don't want to wake up that boy because he might beat me up if he gets woke up. So we did something quiet that day in gym class. And I found out later, maybe it was a day or two later, I found out that boy had gone to church at a revival the night before. I don't know what church it was. Don't know what denomination it was. And really, that's not terribly important at this point. But he had gone to church and he'd gone to a revival and he got saved he came to know Jesus Christ is the Savior. Now, you know, the thing about it is, um, the way I see it, we both got saved. <laughs> I got saved physically, and he got saved spiritually. Now, what if I had done what my human nature would have had me do? What if I got up and I got down into a knockdown, drag-out fight with this guy? Physically. Well... He was obviously stronger than I was. He was taller than I was, more muscular than I was. He probably would have beat me up really, really good. So I'm kind of glad I didn't do that. But if I had done that, or at least tried to, then I probably would have lost the opportunity that I had to witness in a very neat way to that guy. And I understand he later went into the ministry and had a ministry where he was responsible for leading quite a few people to Jesus. And I felt good about that because it meant I had a role to play in all that. <laughs> Amen. So the whole point is Jesus knew exactly what he was doing here when he met with the publicans and sinners. He was developing a healthy relationship with them so that over an extended period of time he could make the godly way of life known to them. And whenever he came into contact with sinners, over time they usually got saved. Look at Zacchaeus. Now we, we actually did a message on Zacchaeus uh, several broadcasts back. And we pointed out how Zacchaeus got saved. Jesus had gone to his house. 
eat lunch with Zacchaeus, and that shocked a lot of people right there. I mean, what did Jesus mean going to the house of a sinner? But that's exactly what Jesus did. He went into the home of a sinner. The man ends up becoming a believer. And then he says, Lord, I'm going to replace fourfold whatever I've taken. If I stole $100 from someone, I'm going to give them $400 back. Now, like I say, the, the tax collectors got filthy rich by cheating the people. He, he would lead them to believe they owed a lot more tax than they did. And if they didn't pay up, there wasn't no court you could appeal to. The tax collector could put you in prison, and you would stay in that prison until the last penny of that tax was paid. I mean, that's how things were done back in those days. Uh, and I also read recently, and, and this is why I think it's so great as a minister if you continue your education. I don't mean formally, but I mean, to this day, I continue buying Bible commentaries and Bible encyclopedias online and study Bibles online. Because I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to soak up all the knowledge of the Word of God that I can. Now, one of the things I found out by reading in a commentary about publicans, also known as tax collectors, uh, the Roman government was very clever. The Roman government was very smart. They recruited Jewish men to collect taxes for them. But they didn't hire them, per se, to be tax collectors. They allowed them to buy what amounts to be a license today to collect taxes. And so they paid a considerable sum of money for the privilege of collecting taxes for the Roman government. And then they said, oh, yes, this is how you're going to get paid. Anything you collect over and above what they owe us, that's yours to keep. But Zacchaeus, when he got saved, he was willing to make things right. And what did Jesus say? He said, this day salvation has come to your house. Now, Zacchaeus didn't promise to make restitution in order to be saved because that would be a workspace salvation. But now that he was saved, now that he knew Jesus as his Savior, guess what? Now he was going to do the right thing and restore to the people more than what he stole in the first place. And Jesus said, This day salvation has come to your house, Zacchaeus. This day salvation has come to your house. And that's why I believe here Jesus was eating with the publicans and sinners, even though, like I say, the Pharisees didn't like it. And, and we have to make a note of the fact here that the Pharisees were getting more and more intent on going after Jesus. In fact, this event takes place 
the last few weeks of Jesus' life on this earth in a physical body. They're getting ready to close in on Jesus. And that's what happens here in these two verses. Well, if you have any Bible study questions or if you have any prayer requests, I would love for you to send them to me. And by the way, I pray over every single prayer request. And I will do my best to answer every question that you have. If I don't know the answer right off the bat, I will look up the answer. I will find the answer and then I will deliver it to you. So if you have a Bible study question or a prayer request, the fastest and most direct way to contact me would be by email. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. And um, then for those of you that uh, would like to contact me the old-fashioned way, you want to contact me by snail mail, you can do that too. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thrusted Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thrusted Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And like I say, I would just love to hear from you. And most of you are aware of the fact that I don't, spend a lot of time on this program asking for love offerings or anything like that. I mean, I, I feel like if uh, the Lord lays it on your heart, then you, you should do it. I don't need to be taking a lot of radio airtime to ask you to send in private contributions. But some of the things I would like for this ministry to do in the future does require that we have financial support from our listeners. And I'm just asking you to think about it, pray about it, see what the Lord might have you do. Uh, like I say, I'm not trying to twist your arm. If the Lord says you don't send more on anything, then guess what? You don't send me anything. But if the Lord lays it on your heart to send something, then hey, it's okay to go ahead and send it. But either way, I'm going to be your friend. <laughs> I'm going to be your friend. I'm still going to pray for you. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to care about you. I'm still going to do for you anything I can within reason. You have my word on it. Because to me, this ministry is all about people. It's all about uh, loving people, caring for people. I mean, that's, that's why I feel like God called me into the ministry in the first place. It might be you just need somebody to talk to. And if you want to, you can shoot me an email, give me your phone number, and I'll be glad to call you. And that offers good no matter where in this country you live. <laughs> I'll be glad to talk to you. I don't mind giving you the time of day. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, that's going to pretty much bring us to the end of this particular broadcast. I hope that you will tell a friend, a neighbor, a relative, co-worker about this broadcast. Because, you know, if you enjoy listening to Sunshine USA, 
If you enjoy listening to me on the radio, teaching the Bible, preaching the gospel, then chances are you know someone else that would also enjoy this. And I hope that you will make it your mission to tell them about this radio program. And if you invite somebody to listen to this program and they listen to it and they get saved, guess what? You have a part in that. You will have helped make that possible. And the Lord will richly bless you for it. Amen. Well, that, that, like I say, that brings us to the end of this particular broadcast. And uh, I've enjoyed bringing this broadcast to you today. Like I say, every day when I get in front of this radio microphone and I start teaching you the Bible and preaching the gospel, man, I tell you, that is my favorite part of the day right there. I mean, really, (laughs) I look forward to that part of the day more so than any other part of the day. And uh, I'm glad that many of you tell me that you have made this particular broadcast a part of your daily devotional and Bible study. And I just think that's great. Another thing you might want to think about is maybe have a group of friends over to your house. You can either put your phone on loudspeaker or you can uh, listen by way of computer. And then you could discuss our only year Bible study after we get finished. That would be a great thing. And by the way, if you want to have that kind of a Bible study in your home, you can contact me and I'll send you some materials that will help you promote it and reach people in your neighborhood and at your place of work with this ministry. Well, until then, folks, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And don't fret none because I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.